The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome along to a very festive edition of the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. We're keeping things merry today with all of the football and dart action going on. Later on, we'll be going to interviews with Cork City FC women's team players Jesse Mendez and Eva Mangan, two of Cork's biggest martial arts stars, uh, not Jesse and Eva, by the way, and a man who will be one of the largest hurling stars this county will ever see, Ben Cunningham, the Munster Under-20 Player of the Year. We'll get straight into things on the football front. And another incredibly poor result for Manchester United leaves them eighth in the table. Goals from Jared Bowen and Mohamed Kudos seal the win for West Ham at the London Stadium. Uh, that win gives them their seventh straight win at home. And they're also sixth in the Premier League table. Moyes certainly deserves his due there. Uh, we go to Guy Swindle now with the match report. West Ham 2, Manchester United 0. For 70 minutes, this match was never going to live long in the memory banks. There have been one very good chance for Ganacho, but that was it, and he missed it for Man U. Anana had forced into a couple of half-decent saves, but suddenly everything changed in the 72nd minute when Pakatar played a beautiful pass over the top. Bowen was onto it and bundled the ball home at the second attempt. Seven minutes later, West Ham doubled their lead. Again, Paqueta involved. Brilliant one-two with Kudos after Mainu gave the ball away. And Kudos broke through to stroke home for his third goal in the last two home matches here. West Ham, well, they'll go into Christmas with spirits raised. Manchester United could be more Scrooge-like. West Ham 2, Manchester United 0. Uh, things aren't too merry for Ten Hag. His job surely under huge pressure now, as if it wasn't already. Uh, regardless of it's a right or wrong decision, I don't see that uh, transfer window going particularly well for them either. Uh, the big game at the moment is, of course, Liverpool versus Arsenal at Anfield. The score there is currently 1-0 to Arsenal. Shane Pennington has the after-goal reaction. It's Liverpool nil, Arsenal 1 and the Vistas into the early lead here courtesy of Gabriel it came from a free kick from the left hand side Martin Odegaard fired it in and from 12 yards out Gabriel with a looping header sent it up over Alisson and into the left hand corner of the net it's Liverpool nil, Arsenal 1 yeah, Klopp's press conference during the week I thought was, uh, was a strange one where he asked the fans to give their t- tickets away for the clash with Arsenal if they're not going to create a good atmosphere let's have a listen from the first second without me get, having an argument with the opposition coach whatever we need you from the first second so if you really want if it's too much football in December I don't know sorry we have to play it as well but if you are not in the right shape give your ticket to somebody else People are kind of laughing about it because apparently it is incredibly hard to actually give your ticket away to somebody else uh, going to Anfield. Maybe it's a case of him just trying to create a siege mentality within the club. In any other case, uh, the atmosphere doesn't seem to be bothering the Gunners too much. Elsewhere around the grounds, it finished Luton 1, Newcastle nil. Hopefully, Kirk's Chiodose Ogbene will be in the Premier League next year. An absolute huge result for them. Uh, they have one game in hand as well uh, of their rivals around them down the bottom of the table. Uh, the former Nemo Rangers man is certainly doing everything in his power to keep them up there. Burnley 2, Fulham nil, an absolutely huge win for the bottom side Burnley. It's now Sheffield United who are at the bottom. Spurs beat Everton 2-1 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. If Everton didn't have that 10-point deduction, they would only be one point behind Manchester United and they'd be one point above Brighton. Dice doing wonders there for Everton. And Nottingham Forest unlucky to lose out late on against Bournemouth where they lost 3-2. 
uh, tough on them having to play most of the match with 10 men. Moving to the world of darts now, it is that time of year. And firstly, huge commiserations to Poland's, but now Cork's Radek Shaganski, who lost out to former PDC World Championship winner Raymond van Barneveld last night. Radek, he's been in Ireland for the past 17 years and it was amazing to see he had Cork imprinted on his collar as well as his hometown of Poznan. He's represented the Cork, uh, the County Cork Darts team on a few occasions. Last night, look, he lost 3-1, but it was his first time at the World Championships and I'm sure the experience of that high-pressure environment will be great for him. Uh, he's lost his tour card now, I believe, but if he plays uh, in Q school like he did last night, he'll be back in no time. Just the experience of uh, Van Barneville seeing him through in good stead there, really. And Radic is actually a bus air driver here in Cork. So if you see him on his rounds, uh, be sure be sure to wish him well. Everyone and their dog talking about Luke Littler and how incredible he is for only 16. An absolute star in the making. And his attitude seems brilliant as well. Here he is talking about his introduction to darts. When I was 18 months in a nappy, listening to Raymond Van Barnabel's music, Phil Taylor's music, doing their celebrations. And that's where it started. 18 months in a nappy on a magnetic board and then four or five of us on a proper board. Everyone also talking about a certain Stephen Bunting. The man has become the greatest meme on the internet, garnering the support of absolutely everyone, really. Will he be taking home the gold? Well, here is him singing it on stage in Holland after the Dutch Masters in 2015. for coming home I'm sorry that the chairs are all worn I left them here I could have sworn These are my salad days slowly being eaten away Just another pray for today Oh but I'm proud of you Yes I'm proud of you Nothing ever makes me feel small Luck has left me standing so tall So you've got the power to know you're indestructible. Always believe in you are gold. I'm glad that you're bound to return. There's something I could have learned. You're indestructible. Always believe Some pair of lugs that I'm to be fair, great to see people showing off their personality. Uh That'll be me at the karaoke in about three hours' time. Getting close to home now, and we're going to football. I was delighted to be joined by Cork City FC's women's midfielder, Jesse Mendez, and midfielder and captain, Eva Mangan, today. Plenty of hot topics up for discussion in this one. Enjoy. Great to be joined here on the Big Red Bench with Cork City FC's women's stars, midfielder Jesse Mendez, and midfielder and captain, Eva Mangan. How are you both? All good. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How's uh, how's Christmas looking for you? Um, we were actually back training uh, three weeks ago, so we uh, just had the Christmas off and then back to it again. So, yeah, I kind of had to rush and get all the shopping done because I didn't have time the last few weeks. But, yeah. And at this, yeah. at this time of year, is it all strength and conditioning work or is it uh, ball work at all? Uh, yeah, all in the gym. So we probably won't kick a ball till mid-January or uh, February, but... Yeah, these are the work that needs to be done and I suppose it's good putting it in now so then when we come back after Christmas we can just get focused in and get on the ball. Yeah, are you happy about that or uh, would you prefer to be uh, doing something on the pitch? 
No, I think it was good for us, um, especially that we got to use the facilities in the Maradike, the new squad gym. So I think it's a good, like we've we've a step forward above other teams. So I think it was good for us to get in um, and do gym that we have kind of missed last season that we didn't do as much. But yeah, I think it's really good for us now to start off. Eva, I'll stick with you here. I mean, uh, what better way to start off your uh, captain for the upcoming season? How happy are you with that? Oh yeah, I'm delighted. Like I'm honoured um, to be named captain. Like I'm still young, but I feel like I'm learning um, every season. Like I've been involved for three seasons now, and I'm just delighted. And I can't wait to get going this season. Yeah, what what actually does the captaincy role uh, within the team involve? Uh, well, it's like I know one person's called captain, but I feel like everyone's a captain. Like. It's not just me who's on the pitch kind of shouting demands and stuff like Jessie herself is brilliant at that and you've Mac as well. But I think it's just to try control the team maybe when we're kind of on the back foot and things like that. Yeah, Jess, Jessie, I'll throw to you here. What uh, what makes Eva captain material? Um, no, Eva's great. I think the main thing about Eva is she gets on with everyone and she's always in good form. And like, while she mightn't be the loudest, she'll tell you that herself. But she's really good at other things then, like, as I said, gets on with everyone. Always in a good mood, well, most of the time anyway. But, um, <laughs> and, you know, the biggest thing, she sets by example. She does everything right on and off the pitch, to be fair to her. In the gym, she's always the one pushing herself. Off the pitch, she minds herself. She's always doing the extra bit. And, yeah, and she leads by example so well. And even the younger girls, and even me, and I know that Mac, who are a lot, well, not, Mac would be a lot older. I'm not that much older, but... Uh, Older than her, we actually look up to her as well because she's she's really good at those stuff. Yeah, uh, not not to focus on the negative too much. Uh, don't worry, we won't stay on it too long. But uh, the women's national league with only one win, bottom of the table on six points. What did you make of uh, your season as a whole? Yeah, look. Um, obviously, there's no denying that it was a tough season for us. Um, and I think as we go into this season, we don't want to focus too much on the past, but we also want to take into account and leave it drive us forward for next season yeah it was a poor season but we're still a young team it's not going to happen overnight and I feel like last year was a foundation but even back a few weeks I feel like there's a different kind of atmosphere and one that we just all are like sick of it now and we just want to we know that we have too much ability in the squad to have a repeat of last season so it's really up to us now this year we have all the as I Eva said the facilities in the Mardike the coaches are fantastic they're doing everything right so once we have those in place it's really up to ourselves now to get at it this season Yeah Eva what are what are some of the main things you think really uh, went wrong last year? Um, I don't know I think it's kind of hard to pinpoint stuff but I just think to be honest I know it's, it's maybe wrong to say but I think luck a good few times kind of didn't go our way but I think like we grew into the season, I think we had a good run in the All Ireland Cup, um, and then towards the end of the season, like I think most of our highlights is maybe the Sligo game. If we, like we would have never came back from three 0 down at the start of the season, but I think like we all know ourselves that the ability we have in the squad and young players coming up, and even Orlo Manny who's after coming in, like I think next season is really exciting. Even though last season was pretty poor I feel like we're all just raring to go already um, and we can see what we can do hopefully next season 
Yeah, do you think um, something that was tough was, I mean, your home stadium is supposed to be Turner's Cross, but uh, you were sent out to Bishopstown to play your matches on quite a few occasions, and the facilities there can leave uh, some bit to be desired at times, you'd feel. Um, was, that a, was that tough for you? Yeah, look, it's um, obviously not great when we hear that we have to be moved out to Bishopstown and we're not much notice and stuff, but as players, you know, we just want to play the game and if we have to do so in another stadium just so the game is played, then that's what we did and we just tried to not focus too much on it last year because, as I said, it was short notice and there wasn't too much time to dwell on it. We just had to be focused and be prepared for the game. But yeah, of course, we all love playing in Turners Cross and we hope that next season that all our games will be in Turners Cross because, as everyone knows, the league is getting better, the standards are going up, so we don't want in Cork City to be being consistent with those standards. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I suppose if you're taking a, a young kid to a match or something, you don't particularly want to be going to Bishopstown yeah. where the facilities are, are lacklustre, so hopefully you're going to get more people in the, mm. in the gates of Turner's Cross. Yeah, that's it. Like, I think even the atmosphere in the ones we did play in Bishopstown was a little different because, like, kids do want to go to Turner's Cross to watch a game and it's more of a day out and it's novelty to go there. And even at the end, when we go over to the kids at the end and sign and get pictures... It is a bit more special in Turner's Cross rather than Bishopstown. And I suppose for ch- like people getting there, I know I was talking to kids in schools, it's much easier for people to get to Turner's Cross than out to Bishopstown. As I said, they can make a day of it. So, yeah, we're just hoping now that we're, all our games will be in Turner's Cross next year. Yeah, Jessie, I'll stick with you here. I had your uh, mum on, I think, a, w- a week or two ago chatting about our underdogs, uh, TG Carr experience. Well, what was that yeah. experience like for you? Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, we had a ball, to be honest, throughout it, um, watching her on Thursday nights. Like, well, me and my sister used to be cringing now, to be fair, but <laughs> um, no, she enjoyed it. And even the last day in Galway, um, she actually got engaged as well. So, yeah, it was a great end to it all. And it was fab. And she was actually unsure whether to do it in- initially. And me and Alex were like, just go for it, just go for it. Because, you know, she'd only be given out afterwards that she didn't do it if she didn't. So, yeah. We probably made her do it and I was nearly cursing myself then halfway through when I was driving her up for training camps in Galway and up the country. But um, no, we were all so proud of her seeing her on telly and stuff. And yeah, and then I seen her playing and she was playing with people my age that I would have played against. And I was like, this just looks so wrong. But no, she enjoyed it and all the family got a great buzz out of it. So it was fab. Yeah, well, you got to come up against her uh, at one point during the season. She had her say on the, the yellow card you got for a challenge on her. What's uh, your opinion on the matter? Yeah, thank God they didn't show five minutes before, to be honest, because she actually went around me about three times. So I had to take her out. Then I was like, this can't be thrown on TV again. So I thought I'd be all over it, getting done. So yeah, um, although I don't think it was a yellow, though, but we know the rest in our league now are like, carrot happy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. she she good coach to you over the years? Ah, uh, yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah. And she tries to say it's constructive criticism, but I don't know at times she probably goes too far. But no, um, but then that's actually one plus of the underdogs. I was delighted every match she played. I I just did the same. I analysed it all for her on the way down, and um, I was delighted to be able to give that and annoy her back. But um, yeah, she's been fantastic over the years. To be fair, all my family have. My dad travels home for away games, most of them, and most of my family go to all of them. So yeah, they've all been fab. Very good, Eva. Go back to you here, uh, captain last year. Zara Foley had to step away through injury. Can you just speak about um, how, how great Zara was in general? Oh, and Zara was a great person on and off the pitch, and I never felt so gutted for a player because 
she had bundles of a ta- of talent and she was up in home base last season um up with when Vera Pau was there and like I think we were all buzzing for her because she has had such a bad uh, run with injuries and I think that she definitely would have gotten on the IRF senior team soon again um because she was unbelievable but we missed her massively and I know she didn't play last um season but she was always kind of around training around the gym and she's just such a bubbly person that you love to just have around but when she left I think a lot of us were devastated um because it's so hard to see someone that young you know who had such talent to not be able to play again but I think she'll be greatly missed on and off the pitch but hopefully she'll she'll come around and see us again. Yeah, does it put things into perspective for you seeing someone get injured like that? Are you be less likely to maybe to go into the tackle or, at all or is that something that enters your head? Um, not really, but kind of when you're in the match, you're not really thinking that way. But I think a few the last few games of the season when we were kind of having our team talk and stuff, we were just saying, you know, everyone give it all you have and we kind of just put it back um, and said, like, look how Zara is. She never knew that would be her last game, things like that. So I think kind of just puts into perspective that you don't know when your last game could be and give it 100%. And look, that's what we'll do for the club this season. Very good, very good. Well, you're on about home base, I attachment, the DIY shop. You're building a, a nice team for 2024. Uh, Orla, of course, came from Shamrock Rovers. Uh, Heidi, Shauna, uh, Elliot Bryan's back as well. Do you think there'll be a lot more competition for places next season? Yeah, definitely. I think we already have um, a good few midfielders. I think last season maybe we had a few injuries and we had a we didn't have that much of a squad in numbers. But I think it's exciting, you know, having more players, more competition. It'll only drive the standards up in training and things like that. Yeah, uh, Jesse, I'll come back to you here. Women's football in general, I, I suppose the the women's national league in general. What do you make of uh, what do you make of it at the moment? Um, yeah, look, it's all on the rise, and I think seeing yesterday that um, Kerry Brown signed from the Northern Ireland League to our league just shows that our league is getting better, and that's what we want to see that we're attracting players into this league. And as much as we want players to go overseas and develop, it's great that our league is being recognised, and we'd love that in years to come if our league is as good, and maybe we can nearly keep players or they can come back, and it's you know as good. So yeah, it was really good seeing Northern Ireland players entering the league because as as I said, it'll make it more competitive and you get sick of kind of playing the same people and the same opposition. Even the All-Ireland Cup last year was good to play different teams. So yeah, playing different strikers now next year and stuff like that, it just makes it a lot better and more competitive. So yeah, the league's on the rise, which is so good to see. Hopefully there'll be another 12 TG Cahir games this year and hopefully we're included. So um, yeah, so... All those kind of stuff, they're small stuff, but they make a huge difference. And the social media is after getting a lot better and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I focused on the negative bit earlier with the with the National League. We went on some run in the All-Island Cup. What was uh, that experience like? Yeah, it was really good. And I think the break actually came at the wrong time for us because we were on such a high from the All-Island Cup. And then it was the break. Um, so, yeah, I think that kind of hit us at the wrong time. But yeah, we had a great few weeks. Um, the younger girls and most of us really actually gained a lot of confidence from that. You know, sometimes when you're losing every week, it's hard to pick yourselves up. But then we got a win down in Fermoy against DLR. And I think that was a really turning point of the season. Um, 
we all got lots of confidence off that. The morale in the group was a lot much better. And yeah, it was a great few weeks. But as I said, I think the break then came at a wrong time. Um, there was a lot of breaks actually last year, obviously due to the World Cup and stuff. And works for some people and didn't work for others. And that's football. But seeing the fixtures there now, there doesn't seem to be as much breaks. So um, hopefully that will be a positive And hopefully we're on a drive and that will uh, be good for us. Hopefully. Eva, um, I'll be misinformed this. Is there a new structure coming into place in 2025 in the in the National League? Um, yeah, I think their new teams will be coming in and there'll be a, like a first division in the Premiership. I'm not entirely sure, but I think that's what we've heard. Yeah, so I suppose this year it's about building to get yourself off that potential relegation spot to then drive it into 2025 really, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's kind of in the back of a lot of our minds, you know, because obviously if there was a first division, we would have gotten relegated this season. But look, as we said, we've, we're have we signing new players, obviously, like Orla's coming in. She's I played with her um, underage and the Irish team, and look, she's she is unreal. She'll be class for us. She's just a natural six who will sit all day. So I think it's exciting, look. We obviously did have a poor season, but I think we're all raring to go, as I said, um, to go next season. And look, we know that we shouldn't be at the bottom of the table and we should be competing um, way higher. So I just can't wait now to get going and just prove that to people. Yeah, what's your favourite thing about uh, playing for Cork City, Eva? Um, I think it's just, look, I'm from Cork. Um, I've been going to City games since I've been five or six my dad is always there and I think it's just it's where I'm from um, putting on the jersey it's just unreal like I've been in the academy I've coming up through the 17s the 19s and it's just an unreal and it's it's an honour really to play for Cork City I think some people might take it for granted sometimes but it's it's a real honour Jesse, I'll, uh, I'll ask you the same question um, I'm very similar to Eva to be honest um, yeah I'm from Cork and went to the men's game since I'm young and I think actually one thing that I noticed when I came back from Treaty that I missed was I played with these girls, these group of girls, most of them, all the way up through Cork Gainer Cup squads or through the Cork City Academy. And it is a little different and extra special, you know, at hard times as we had last season. When you're playing with girls, you've no inside out for years, you feel much better. And um, yeah, so playing with the girls all the way up. And I love being from Cork and I'm very family orientated as well. So I love that it's so easy for them to all come to my games and seeing local kids that I would coach and stuff at the games and so yeah. How are we how are we gonna get people into Turners Cross next year? Um hopefully we'll go around and do school visits and try to give as much free tickets to kids as possible. And do you know what? I think the main thing about it is trying to keep them there. So if they go once, let's make it a a day for them to remember. So um Hopefully, if we're getting results, we'll make them come back or giving them time at the end, etc. So we want them to not just come once or when they're coming with their schoolgirls team once every few months. We want them to keep coming week in, week out and look forward to our games. Yeah, I think that's down to us, though, as well. Like, to start the season, we need to start well. You know, a child isn't going to want to come if they see us losing week in, week out, you know, that way. So I think it's important for us that we need to start well put in performances and make people want to come back to the games 
Yeah, and I've seen some of the scenes. I mean, after uh, after some matches, and they're just great. Like, I mean, you're there signing autographs, getting photos with everyone. So uh, it's a good opportunity for uh, them to meet you as well and get to know you. Yeah, it's really good because they always remember it. Um, I'm actually working in a school in Carrig Lane, and all the girls come up to me now, being like, "When's your next game?" and stuff like that. It's just small stuff like that, but um, they remember then that they got a picture that you gave them their time and you know what it, it doesn't cost much at all and it's only a few minutes of our time and it'll mean a lot to them so as Eva said it's up to us though to start well and get that in from the start and keep it then Very good and uh, I suppose we'll focus back on football pitch now what are your predictions slash hopes for um, for 2024 Eva? Um, I hope we just get into the top half of the table I think that's our kind of main goal and I think we just need to take it game by game um, yeah so I think that's what we kind of need to do and hopefully we'll just get the start we wanted we'll get a good run and I think we with players we hope to bring in and players re-signing I think, I think we have a good chance if we put the heads down um, and just do what we do on the training ground in a match Yeah, Do you have any inklings of uh, who is re-signing or coming in? <laughs> you'll have to wait and see for that. <laughs> you definitely know you definitely know <laughs> what are you what are you getting for Christmas my last question anything nice I got well I asked for football boots so hopefully I got them <laughs> Jesse. yeah same football boots clothes and shoes so very yeah. good you keep it football orientated anyway making it your whole That's, lives yeah thanks so much for joining me anyway uh, appreciate it and I hope you have a brilliant season I'm sure you will get into the top half of that table Thanks a million, Dan. Cheers. Appreciate it. Welcome back to the Big Red Bench with me, Dan Casey. Just to keep you in the loop, Liverpool have tight proceedings against Arsenal. One all at Anfield with Salah scoring the goal. We'll be back after the break hearing from Jiu-Jitsu superstars and Monster Hurling Under-20 Player of the Year. Chat soon. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Welcome back to the Big Red Bench. Dan Casey in the hot seat for you on this Christmas Eve. Eve, as I said earlier, it's one all between Liverpool and Arsenal in half time in that Premier League game. Uh, Shane Pennington has the latest from Anfield. It's Liverpool 1, Arsenal 1. It's been a fascinating watch here so far at Anfield. It's been a first half that Arsenal have largely dominated. They had a couple of really good opportunities, in fact, before they took the lead. Jesus and Gabriel with those chances before on four minutes. Odegaard's free kick was headed home by Gabriel from 12 yards out. Liverpool struggled to get going in the opening embers of this game and Mo Salah had a half opportunity volleying into the side netting from an endo cross before Liverpool equalised just on the half hour mark Trent Alexander-Arnold with a raking 60 yard pass out to the right hand side Salah took it in his touch knocked it past the defender cut inside into the area and then smashed a high shot past Raya from 18 yards out it's been a fascinating first half then here and all to play for in the second half as we look to find out who's going to be the Christmas number one it's Liverpool won Arsenal won things getting interesting at Anfield we move to the world of martial arts now uh, we received this lovely email from an anonymous uh, listener asking for help on behalf of two martial arts superstars here in Cork it reads, I'm contacting you with regard to two young local lads that would benefit greatly from your help. I know you are amazing with community-based projects and we really need to highlight these lads who have already been dubbed as Irish superstars. I've started a GoFundMe page for them. So far, they have brought back over 50 gold medals this year to Cork, having paid for most of their endeavours themselves. They are two brothers from the Bandon area that compete all over the world in jiu-jitsu. One is 18 and the other is 17. 
to enable them to continue putting Cork on the map for its amazing sporting activities. We need to gain them publicity and funds. They also help to teach younger children in the area this amazing sport, enabling Cork to achieve greater notoriety in this area. Shane recently took quad gold in the Irish Open in Dublin and then went on to place fourth in the Abu Dhabi World Pro. Uh, he's also just appeared on Chaos, Chaos Fighting Championship, winning his debut MMA bout by unanimous decision. Stewart, the slightly younger brother, placed second in the IBJJF Worlds held in Long Beach, California and achieved double gold in the IBJJF European Nogi Championships held in Rome. Well, on the back of this, Aidan caught up with the two lads about their backgrounds within the sport to try and get the message out there. And I will also get that uh, GoFundMe link out on the Big Red Bench Twitter slash X page, whatever we're calling it now. Enjoy. All right, delighted to be joined in studio now by two uh, big, big stars in the world of jiu-jitsu and they're two men from Cork as well. They're two guys who do need support in their career and that's why they're in to talk to us today. But lads, I've got Shane and Stuart Carmody here, two brothers. Tell me about how you got started in, in the world of jiu-jitsu. Well, I got started in jiu-jitsu because I was doing jiu-jitsu to uh, do MMA, right? Mm. I started there late 2018 and I've been training there ever since and I started um, MMA this year, started competing. Um, sure. We actually started in a different gym than before. We uh, started training maybe three or four months in a different gym. Then we switched to the gym we are now and that's where we are now. In band. Yeah, and you've uh, you've collected over 50 medals, I believe, uh, in in your career so far. So that includes, I presume, you know, tournaments in Ireland, tournaments yeah. all around the world. Like, have you done a lot of traveling this year? Yeah, um, like this year alone, I got 30 gold medals, uh, four silvers and one bronze across, I think, six or seven different countries. The United States, um, Abu Dhabi I was in, Italy, France, England, Ireland... And what was the other one? Uh, Germany. Yeah, I won 28 gold medals this year, five silvers and two bronzes. I've been to uh, the US twice. I've been to the UK. I've obviously uh, competed here in Ireland and uh, competed in France and Germany as well. It's a it's it's a massive schedule. Like for for lads of your age, obviously school and everything has to be factored into that as well. How do you juggle all of that? Well, you see, I actually left school and went to work uh, last year. So since then, it's been like a little bit difficult because I've been working seven till four. So from that, I finished work at four. And then from there, I would go on to start training at six. And I finished about half past ten in the evening. Yeah, I uh, was the same. I left school uh, only this year, but I have like an easygoing job where I finish early so I can keep training. And, like, I try to train between one and three times every day. Yeah, and you're not just... You don't just do your own training as well. You help out a lot, do you, with uh, younger uh, athletes uh, around Cork, uh, the Cork area as well, getting them into jiu-jitsu, which I presume is massively important for you because you're trying to forge your own pathway. You want to have a pathway for people coming from, uh, up behind you as well, don't you? Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. We teach on Mondays, Tuesdays... Fridays and Thursdays uh, we teach two kids classes on Mondays two kids classes on Fridays and then a teens class on Tuesday and Thursday yeah so my, my schedule works from Monday to Friday completely including Wednesday itself but Wednesday I help out with like the younger kids on the MMA 
and such like. So from from six till eight is teaching every single day, and then uh, it would be eight till ten thirty. I would train, and on Thursdays I also do uh, boxing for the MMA striking. So I'm learning that too. So talk to me about jujitsu, I suppose, as a sport. I think a lot of people probably would have only heard of it through watching maybe UFC and stuff and, and fighters being described as having a background in jiu-jitsu. What would that actually, what does that mean to people who are listening in who wouldn't have a massive knowledge of MMA? Uh, describe jiu-jitsu to us uh, compared to other uh, types of MMA that, that people may be familiar with. Okay, well, I think uh, jiu-jitsu is, very, is one of the most important aspects of MMA because if you don't have a ground game, then you are in in MMA. You won't be able to get anywhere because if someone can take you down, if someone can control you, then you can't strike. You can't do anything. So everyone needs to have a good level of jujitsu because that's anything that goes from clinch work all the way down to the ground to submissions, whether it be a choke or a joint lock. And I feel like you really do need to have jujitsu in MMA. So there's no striking in jiu-jitsu. Is it all submission sort of uh, manoeuvres, let's say? Yeah, it'd be like very close to what would be wrestling. So it's like wrestling with the submission. So there isn't striking, but you know you need it to be able to train with the striking. Otherwise, in MMA, you're you're dead in the water. Yeah, I suppose that like we would have seen a lot. Like anyone that would have watched McGregor's Conor McGregor's career, and you see a lot of fighters he would have faced. He would have faced the best of the best, and at the time they would have all had that background in jiu-jitsu so it is obviously massively important to uh, becoming that sort of overall well-rounded fighter in MMA yeah because for example if you look at a fighter like Khabib he was he was very big on the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu he wasn't much of a striker but that goes to show to win a lot of fights like he retired like 29 and 0 at every single fight it was all wrestling all jiu-jitsu all submission grappling um but it's like even the upcoming fighters now, like Ian Gary, he's good in jiu-jitsu. Um, the, Nathan Kelly, he's also good in jiu-jitsu. It's all very important for your MMA. Stuart, did you have a choice in uh, learning jiu-jitsu? Like, you know, did he? Did this fella just start throwing you around the place and you said, well, I need to learn how to defend myself here? No, no, uh, we started off uh, training uh, Taekwondo and then a couple uh, years ago in 2018. Uh, my oldest brother, Sean, actually, he wanted to start MMA. So we started at our first club. Uh, he started around five or six months before us, and then we were like, why not? Let's try this, and then fell in love with it. How quickly did uh, the travel aspect come into it? How quickly did it go from just literally doing it here locally to traveling to European countries, et cetera? Well, for me, um, it was 2019 where I competed in my first European championship, and I won that, but that was held in Dublin. So for the first time I actually left the country, that would have been 2022, and that was to Italy, uh, Rome actually. And then after that, it was just consistent. I wanted to go everywhere in Europe. I wanted to fight the best of the best. And as well, you two, you you two years in that period, obviously with COVID. Like, was that a? Did you fear maybe you would miss out opportunities there? That you know, coming back after it. Uh, you could miss the boat maybe with, with certain age groups of uh, of the competitions you're competing at. Like, that must have been a tough period for the body. 
Oh, 100%, yeah. Like, it took out two years of the Europeans completely cancelled because they couldn't uh, have the attendance there for the people because of the COVID and the pandemic. It really caused problems there. But for training, it wasn't so bad. The first year was bad because you couldn't train, you couldn't do anything. But the second year of the lockdown, they eased up and you were able to train in smaller groups, which was perfectly fine. So after that, for the training aspect, it was okay. But competition, there was nothing on at all. You go now into a period, I suppose, where it requires uh, a good bit of money to to try and compete at at the levels you're trying to compete at. Um, is that something that maybe uh, your 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 trainers, your parents are trying to help you with, uh, not to not to let you worry about all of that, or are you getting more into that yourselves? Are you looking at that sort of financial situation and trying to to learn how to navigate that and then how to to you know, uh, get through that and get to the stage where you can go and, and compete in competitions all around the world. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, earlier on this year when we went to Dubai, that my coach and my family, they ran a fundraiser for it. And that, that got us the tickets and the hotel for Dubai. So that was very handy. Um, that's part of the reason why I was very um, sure I wanted to start working um, and leave school. So that way I could work. So I had money to go for, like, the smaller tournaments to fly, like, around, like, Europe. Because European flights were cheap enough where if you were working, you can pay for it, you can go to the competition, everything. But the longer distance flights, like the United States and stuff, that that's a little bit extra, you know. Is the backing there, like, even state-wise, maybe some countries would have more backing for other sports? Like, obviously, we have maybe the three or four big team sports here that a lot of money gets put into. Um, is there like government funding there for you to be able to apply? Because I suppose maybe as well, it's not it's not an Olympic sport, is it either? So there's probably not not that route either for you. No, not at all. There is no funding there for the um, jiu-jitsu or even MMA for that matter. Like the only funding MMA has ever got is from Conor McGregor himself in Ireland. Um, but for jiu-jitsu, there's no government funding. Everything you do there, you have to do off your own back or the people around you that are willing to help you. Yeah, actually, uh, it got rejected for some reason uh, from the Olympics in 2024. It was supposed to be uh, part of the Olympics in 2024, but uh, someone uh, from uh, the Olympics uh, rejected it. That would have been a massive help to you, I suppose, if it did get accepted well, as an yeah, Olympic sport. You could go in uh, underneath that, that um, you know, Olympic Ireland sort of umbrella, then it would have been a big boost to you. Is it something that might happen again in the future? Well, yeah, I'm hoping it's ha- going to happen in the future. Maybe it will be in the 2028 games or the 2032 because that's what they were talking about. So when it gets to that level, it will make it easier for everyone coming up. It will make it a much easier time because then it is an Olympic sport. It will be a more recognised sport. So there's kind of t- two big things for you coming up next year. Tell me about them. There's there's um, Las Vegas, uh, which uh, you're looking to go to, and then as well training in Brazil which is the home of Jiu-Jitsu isn't it so they're your goals I imagine for next year are they? Yeah so like in January my first goal is the European Championship that is on January the 20th and then it's about March or April-ish I'll be going to Brazil and then it'll be June I think is the World Championship there and that'll be in Long Beach California so high, high hopes for that fingers crossed definitely the European Championships will be a good one and then we'll just see how well I get on in the Worlds Yeah we're uh, looking to uh, train in Brazil for a couple of months before uh, the Worlds and compete in uh, the Brazilian Nationals over there 
and then uh, fly from uh, Brazil to the US. But of course, you know, we need uh, to get some funding before that. That would obviously be a dream come true for you, I suppose, being able to train in Brazil. Yeah, it'd be awesome, yeah. Yeah, the home of jiu-jitsu, one of the highest levels going to the big city, the big city of Sao Paulo as well there. Exactly. So, like, that is, it's huge for you. That's that's your aim. That's why you have um, this uh, GoFundMe set up for you for MMA fans out there that want to support you, that want to keep you going, try and get you to that next level. You would love to be bringing back, I imagine, you know, big medals, big championships back to Corker someday to those people who might have found out through this interview or online about you and have supported you, you know, and get in on the ground level and support you. Yeah, that would be the dream if we can bring a world title back to Cork. That would be amazing if we could do that. So that is the goal for next year. Like this year, I fe- I just fell short of meddling at the Worlds. I placed fourth in it. And then in the uh, other style of jiu-jitsu, which is like Nogi, I placed I placed in the quarterfinals, so within the top eight. So it was close, but it just wasn't enough this year. Well, we're going to put the link out to the GoFundMe. The GoFundMe is Get Gold for Cork, which is a great tagline and will hopefully uh, motivate all those uh, sports lovers around the county. It's a great county, and I'm sure everyone's going to get behind you. Um, Shane and Stuart Carmody, the very best of luck for next year with all your goals. We hope to track your progress as well, and maybe we'll be back here sometime next year whenever you're back in Ireland and speak to you again on the progress you've made. Thanks for coming in. Thank Thank you you very much. 100%. That would be brilliant. Yeah, please help the lads if you can at all. A disgrace the sport isn't in the Olympics and uh, that GoFundMe link is on our Twitter slash X page at the Big Red Bench or at Big Red Bench. Now, you might remember this clip from TG Carr's sport over the summer. I'm just so happy, so proud of the lads, so happy to be with this team and I just have to comment on, on the situation with Owen Downey. In my opinion, it's an absolute disgrace. And Adam Hogan is the same, never said. The best players at our age want to be playing in these games in the Munster final. I don't see why they can't do it. Owen would have no problem playing today and playing against six days' time. I just, I just think it's the Jay needs to look at it. And Ben said in a couple of weeks ago, the people up there, they don't, know what they don't know what they're doing if they won't allow two players play in the Munster final. So that's all I have to say, but I'm um, absolutely over the moon now. That was the voice of future, if not current, Cork Hurling star Ben Cunningham, son of Cork Hurling goalkeeping legend and St. Finnebar's coach Jor Cunningham. He recently won the Munster Hurling Under 20 Player of the Year. Here is our conversation. Delighted to be joined here on the Big Red Bench with future hurling superstar Ben Cunningham. Most recently voted the Munster Under 20 Player of the Year. Um, that was a nice one to top off the year, Ben, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, it was a nice one to finish off. Uh, probably successful and not successful year in two ways. Probably it was successful on the, the Cork side of it with the twenties. Uh, nice to finish off. The, obviously, getting my second All Ireland, and then obviously the unsuccessful bit of getting uh, knocked out of the club championship with the Bears this year, where we were trying to go to retain our title, which was kind of sickening on our behalf. Yeah, having your dad as coach. Uh, what's uh, what's yeah. that one like? A lot of people have asked me that before. I, I actually can nearly prefer it, but I nearly get told less in one way because he probably doesn't want to favour people towards me more than anyone else. So, no, I, I, I think it's great. Obviously, he's, a, he's managed nearly everyone on the top team, so it's, uh, obviously he's a brilliant person to have involved. Do you think he makes a conscious effort to uh, not look after you? Yeah, he'd probably, <laughs> probably look after me a bit less. He'd, uh, he'd go to everyone else before coming to me because he doesn't want to be too biased, but yeah, no, he, he's good, right? Very good. And uh, I guess it was always in your blood, wasn't it? It was always destined to be that you'd uh, train the Cork team. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. He, he trained them for a few years anyway. So I was kind of when he was training them, I was um, 
I was kind of there as water boy, so now I'm kind of in there training, so hopefully try to push on this year now. It's coming uh, nicely full circle. How long have you been hurling since? Uh, probably hurling since about three years of age, probably, so nearly one to 17 years. Nearly everyone's kind of that age. When when you're, you're born, you've hurling in your hand. I probably had one sooner, but I can't remember that now at this stage. Suppose your dad being who he is, is there, was there more pressure on you, or was that something you took into account at all? No, I never really took into account, really. Kind of Obviously, when you're going out in public with him, you kind of see the... The amount of people that kind of comes up to him and favours him and says all the good stuff about him when he was playing, but obviously I wasn't even born to see that, or I can ba- barely see videos on YouTube as he's so old at this, this stage. So um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good though. It's good to have someone involved like that. Yeah, when I was uh, researching it, you went to praises, Larry. Yeah, what was it like yeah. being a, a hurler in the, in the rugby school? Uh, probably played rugby for about a year or two. Realised definitely it wasn't sport for me, <laughs> so then I moved on quite quickly from that. Um, obviously, there's a big of a conscious effort to try to get hurling more involved in the school in prison now but it's um, it's coming but uh, a lot more work needs to be put into it obviously I was oh. talking to a teacher last week and he said they're, tr- they're trying their best but just it's a rugby school probably will be for a while What position were you in rugby? Uh, I was full back probably no surprise really. <laughs> didn't stay away from all the big hits I, I didn't want to go near that And you're studying arts in UCC at the moment? No I'm commerce in UCC Okay. Uh, I've gone back to first year now this year, so I'm, uh, I changed course last year. Okay, okay. Yeah. And uh, when I first uh, reached out to you, you were about to go into uh, an exam. How did that, uh, how yeah, did that go for you? No, the last exam actually went quite well. I was happy with the last exam. It was the previous exam was the tough one. So uh, overall, I think I think I'd be I'd be okay anyway. And uh, future career opportunities? Um, what are you What are you thinking? Ah, uh, I'm not too sure now. Could could go anywhere. Um, Probably my sister kind of went down to sales after she finished the same course I was doing commerce. So maybe, maybe going the same route. Maybe not. I'm not 100 percent sure yet. Could uh, probably have to decide that in the future. You're, you'll be an intercounty hurler, so surely a car salesman or a bank manager, maybe <laughs> or teacher, probably. Yeah, guards as well. Guards as yeah. well. Um, what's uh, what's it being like trained under Ben O'Connor? What was he like? Ben was very good. Um, Obviously, I wasn't really there for most of the year. I kind of came in the week before championship and didn't really have much training with him. But then when I saw the type of training and how detailed he was kind of the week of championship and the, the session before games, I just I thought it was a pleasure to work with him. And uh, I, I'll say that to anyone. He was, um, he was a very good manager. You see his past uh, records with uh, Middleton. Uh, I think he was with I can't remember, he was with us obviously and then he was with all our college teams and everything so he's a great track record and he's a he'll go right to the top yeah yeah was there much of a step up between Ben and Pat no I think Pat, Pat Pat's obviously unbelievable as well Pat's I've had Pat now uh, so last year obviously I had Pat with seniors and then I had Pat for two years one year for the 20s and Pat was very good Pat was um, he's, he's, uh, he's very yeah, good with people and that's probably the main thing he's good at with managers and he's obviously an exceptional coach as well so Pat's very good to work under also Do you think being a people person is uh, important being a manager? Yeah that's one thing Pat is very good at which is obviously a big thing in these days with managers obviously I haven't really had one that was the opposite that way so I wouldn't really I can't really make a judgement but I think it's it's great the way Pat is and makes him the, one of the best managers out there that he is yeah, what do you think? Um, is it a, you know, players get a lot of pressure now. You know, Gleeson taking a break from Watford. There's a few more in the background there yeah. who look like they're taking a break. Is that down to the manager? Or do you think it's just the whole environment of being an intercounty player? I wouldn't say it's down to the manager. I'd just say it's to, it's a intercounty hurling is a lot of thing for everyone. It's it's a, it's a full time job. Kind of it's a full time it's a full time role. You're, if you're not training, you're trying to recover for training the next day or doing the gym that evening. So. I wouldn't say it's just down to one specific person. I'd probably put it down to just it's a it's a lifestyle movement if you're to do it. Yeah. Well, what is the hardest thing about uh, being intercounty? 
uh, well, uh, there's nothing really hard for me. I, I, I love doing it. I enjoy. I love going to training. Um, probably the hardest thing is sometimes if you're feeling unmotivated that you're going down there nearly every day. You're you probably see the players and stuff more than your family, so you build up good relationships. But I, I don't think there's any for me anyway. I'm a bit young now, but I don't see any downside to it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. What are one of the best things? Uh, the best thing is again, obviously really close to the lads. You're there, but you're there. You see him as I said previously, more than your family, more than anyone else. So. I, I love it anyway it's uh, it's great and then if hopefully we get success soon when that starts to come you, you get closer and then the bond builds more so hopefully that can follow Was it easy to go from the under 20s into the senior meeting meeting those lads? No, no I, I was fine um, I kind of well I didn't know all of them but I knew a few of them from when I was there from when I was there from when I was putting water behind stuff from when I was young but uh, no they're all like Sham, Sham's hardly now Hoggy they're all I was all kind of there with them, kind of when I was a young kid, and then they're there, they're seven lads, so there's no adjustment. Yeah, well, what's it like from watching them in the stands to then playing on same pitch as them? Ah, it's uh, it's surreal. Well, probably from when I was younger, kind of building up, but they're um, they're obviously exceptional hurlers and exceptional athletes. But off the pitch, they're uh, equally the same as they're just sound fellas. And um, obviously, if you reach out to them to do anything, they'll do it for you because they're just they're just nice guys off the pitch, and that's what uh, that's what builds teams, that's what builds character. So hopefully. See that this year, yeah. Patrick Horgan, how good is he? Uh, he's probably one of the best, if not the best, to ever play the game. You see that with the scores he gets. Uh, I, wa- I watch clips of him all the time, just kind of look back and the stuff he does, and it's, uh, I can't even describe how good he is in the training field. His touches are ages. Yeah, a lot of people are saying like online stuff that he's had his day. Do you agree with that? He's, he's what sorry? That he might have had his day and oh, he's getting no. too old. No, I, I don't agree with that at all. The the stuff you see in training just shows that he's only getting better in my opinion. He's he's outrageous. He's uh you seen last year he was one of the top scorers in the championship and people are saying that uh as you, like as you said he, in quotation that he's had his day, that's uh, I couldn't be further from the truth in my opinion. He's he's an exceptional player. Okay, okay. Your Cork uh, under twenties, he ended with the all Ireland, what a, what an incredible day that was! Yeah, it was one. Of the, it was a brilliant day. Probably the, that one probably topped the first one for me because obviously I played a bit more than the first one because uh, because obviously the show was starting. But um, no, it was brilliant because to have fellow club mates like uh, William Buckley, Caron Doolan, then obviously uh, Ron as a selector and Ben O'Connor obviously gone through up in there. But having those people involved is uh, is brilliant because they're just friends you have from three, four, five years of age. So when they're involved kind of makes it all more better yeah there was some championship you ended the championship with uh, 254 in 6 games yeah that is absolutely insane a lot of them are freezing out there I'd be certainly taking it anyway don't be humble about it <laughs> yeah well it was, it was, obviously it's all, I'm only getting those scores because the teammates are on the pitch and uh, they help a lot so they kind of did most work I did the easy job of just tapping them out of there yeah you definitely seem to give off Captaincy vibes. I hope you don't mind me saying. Like I mean, your speech at the end of the Munster final against Clare, it's an absolute disgrace. Owen Downey and Adam Hogan couldn't play. People up there don't know what they're doing. Do you still agree with that? Uh, yeah, I'd probably still go land those lines. I got a bit of a, a roasting off the lads from the group chat after I was looking at those comments. But um, no, I would probably definitely agree with it because uh, two players missed out playing in Munster final. So I don't see, I don't see why they couldn't have played it because I was back in training the next time the series in training day after Munster final and Owen was as well so if I can do it why couldn't he, tra- why couldn't he play the game the night before and then train the next day it, it made no sense to me but probably a story for the past now I yeah I mean the rules changed yeah I know you got a roast off the lads but I'm sure yeah. they, they did appreciate it I'm sure were you aware of the effect that it had nationally like it went viral yeah people, people 
I was actually going for a thing in college and it was actually the, there was a bit of an interview and it was the only thing that was kind of brought up really because it was kind of that week and um, no it, it did go a bit through the roof and never on my phone but uh, no I don't regret what I said anyway yeah how are you going to um, enjoy your Christmas this year or is there any enjoyment for an inter-county player oh there is enjoyment obviously it's, uh, it's one of the best times of the year but you still have to be focused on the training that you're doing as well and, but you can obviously go and enjoy yourself but uh, once that's over then we'll be back to the drawing board and uh, 2024 season kicks off then yeah upcoming league how are, how are you fixed for it at the moment how long have you been training for actually in the first place uh, we're just kind of we're tipping away like everyone around Christmas not not doing too much so uh, it's kind of gym work and then after Christmas we'll kind of start going so yeah the the league's obviously where you put your hand off for places and then hopefully then uh, that can be done this year what would be your uh, best position if you hope to get into the team uh, I'll take anywhere on the team and the team <laughs> doesn't bother me where I play playing goal if I have to go back to your father's yeah, position <laughs> ring him for so. a bit of advice yeah no it doesn't bother me where I play as long as you have a cork jersey on your back it doesn't make a difference yeah no the league is uh, all well and good but um, who gets out of Munster uh, obviously it's time will tell but uh, hopefully hopefully anyway cork will and I, uh, I, I think we will anyway yeah, yeah. How, uh, how far are we off in All-Ireland well, you saw last year um, it's, it's one puck of, one puck of a ball from being from beating the Ireland champions and locking them out in the group stages so dubious penalty yeah so it's um, it's, it's you're, you're not far off you, you can't say you're far off when the team that beat you beat you by a point and then convincingly won the rest of the games and the final so no it's very very close small margin into County Hurling and that's the stuff you have to get right yeah how ready are you to take on the likes of Kyle Hayes etc uh, well obviously time will tell that but um, I'd probably back myself against most people so uh, obviously there's a lot to improve and a lot to gains to make but um, I look forward to the season and hopefully I can push on now is that pressure that went into your mind this maybe some guys have a big name or is you just no. there another lad on the pitch no it's just another person on the pitch you I, you take those players on in training like the likes of Robert Downing and stuff you take those fellas on in training all the time so uh, they're there's not much difference between them and the other players because obviously the backs that we have in Cork are phenomenal and they'll, hopefully this will be showcased this year. Yeah, who were your uh, biggest inspirations growing up? Uh, probably, it's a bit of coincidence saying, but it was probably the likes of my dad, Hoggy. Um, they were kind of the biggest people when I was growing up because they were the kind of people I was watching. So uh, no more than Hoggy, obviously, was the main person. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Do you have a close relationship with him? Uh, well... Well, not I wouldn't say we're best friends, but obviously we we talk away and take a few frees before training. So uh, yeah, hopefully those those relationships can build and we can push on there this year. Yeah, who are the best hurlers in the country at the minute? Doesn't have to be Cork. Uh, I'll go I'll go Cork as a way to keep them all happy. So, <laughs> maybe like say, you saw Seamus Hardy last year, phenomenal year. Hoggy obviously had a phenomenal year. Um, Damien Callan obviously club main and doing great things at Castlehaven. So they're the players on say this year. Besides yourself, who are the best hurlers coming into the team? Uh Mullins now this year he, he's called up for the 20s as well he's a great 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 player he's, I think he'll do great things this year so hopefully Cork fans will be very excited about him now Hopefully we seem to have a very uh, strong team coming through yeah. do you think that's fair to say? Uh, well it's kind of coming to fruition with the 20s so uh, the 20 manager are doing great work in the backgrounds and that's the ultimate goal obviously is to play senior but obviously 20s is brilliant as well so if the, those players can push through you'll, you'll see Cork right into the top the next few years yeah, and you had involvement uh, senior hurling against Kerry and Westmeath. What were those experiences like? Just um, made you crave it more. Yeah, you kind of those kind of games want you to push on even more. Those those kind of games weren't my best showings. Kind of just coming back from injury, but um, uh, these things happen. They are just make you want to push on, and make you stronger for the future. Yeah, is there? Uh, do you feel a pressure around the camp of Cork? Is like, look, 
it's been going to be 19 years next year since we won Non-Ireland is that something that people talk about at all? Uh, it's brought up in, in senses that we just want to end that the, end that famine kind of is now it's, it's, it is a famine growing and um, hopefully the sooner the better so there's big work going put in to try to put that right and uh, hopefully we'll see it soon Is that something reiterated by Pat or is it just uh, the players between themselves? Uh, probably a bit of both like the player, we, we're not we're not we're not uh, we're not stupid. We we know it's been a long time since Cork last won All Ireland, and um, so obviously that needs to be put right. And hopefully, with the work that we're doing under Pat and uh, how good of a manager he is, and the coaches like the Donald Manny and Donald Work, if we push on, we won't be far off. Yeah, what are the celebrations going to look like when we win? Uh, we'll have to focus on the training <laughs> and, and get that stuff right before we can do that. Very good, Ben. Thanks so much for joining oh, us here cheers. on the Bigger Bench. Appreciate you. it. Cheers. Brilliant stuff out of Ben. Incredible maturity shown every time he speaks. He will be one of the leaders who takes us to All-Ireland glory. I guarantee you that. That's all for me, Dan Casey, on the Big Red Bench tonight. It remains Liverpool 1, Arsenal 1 at Anfield. Stevie G is on the way next, and uh, not the Liverpool 1. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.